14 seconds to go. 31-31. Matt dodged the punt. Gets a high snap. Gets it away. It's a knuckle. Jackson takes it at the 35. Picks it up. Looks for running room. He's at the 40. He's at the 45. Minus three with Dave Damashek and Jeff Schwartz. Do it, fellas. Ooh, seminal play from the Giants and Eagles past. Hi and hello, sports fans, and welcome to Minus Three, presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. Tune in all season long for exclusive offers and odds boosts. FanDuel, more ways to win. Yes, Jeff Schwartz, Eddie Spaghetti, Dave Damashek here. Welcome to the show. Minus three, ready to roll into another weekend of uh, of hot football action. And our streak of great guests is about to continue. Late of the Pittsburgh Steelers and Hofstra and the New York Jets. Willie Cologne is coming up in just a little bit. We're looking forward to kibitz in with him in the meantime. What's the poop there, Schwartz? You look just dreadful in that Hawaiian shirt. Yeah, I had to do something. I was told to to dress down a little bit and be an everyday man. And so I figured that uh, Tommy Bahama... Two XL long uh, would be an everyday man shirt, and so I looked fantastic. Willie also bullied me a little bit into taking off some buttons. So if you see a little chest hair, you can blame Willie a little bit later. I just I, I can't imagine. I'm not uh, you know I'm not the target audience, and I always say this that you know fellas they get you know guys rib them like oh that's ridiculous. Well, ultimately, you're not dressing for other fellas. You're dressing for for women. I can't imagine your wife when you roll in in that Hawaiian shirt is like, oh yes, give me more of that, Jeff. Sure. So the minus three podcast is directed at my non sports fan wife. Is that what we're getting at here? No, no. You your outfit strolling around the manse there Dave, in Charlotte, North Carolina. Dave, um, I have and same with you. We have young children. Yes. My wife works full time. Uh-huh. There's nothing I could wear or do that would change your opinion about what might happen or not happen at night in the Schwartz household. So an emphasis on not happen. So I don't think the Hawaiian shirt does nothing for this. And maybe the chest hair does something to her. I don't know, but I won't find out tonight. So um, doing something to me. Oh, good. But I'm I don't glad, think nausea I'm, I'm, is I'm, glad, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad someone enjoys the chest hair. I didn't say I enjoyed it. I said it was nausea inducing. That's what it's doing to me. How are you, Eddie Spaghetti? I'm great. I mean, I'm coming off a, a great week of football for, for my teams. I'm um, looking forward to this week. It's obviously a big, big rivalry uh, game for the Giants, the biggest rival for them. And uh, Notre Dame actually has a rivalry game, too. Um, I and you've been how- red hot. Spaghetti is the one out of this trio that you're listening to right now. Yeah. If you believe in, if you believe in riding a hot hand, you're going to want to listen to his picks here because Spaghetti – has been money, literally and otherwise. And in fact, before anything else, Spaghetti, let me lay it on everybody. Um, our bet boost of the week. We've done all pro football. Oh, look at this! Look at this! Look at Schwartz's little girl rolling in here. Hi, Hi nice Shirley. How are you? I have a couple of questions for you. One: Did you get dressed up for Halloween? Yeah. What did you go as? I did trick or treating. You did trick-or-treating. Did you get a good candy? Yeah. Yeah. What's your favorite kind of candy to have? Um, lollipop. Oh, I like them too. I especially like the cherry ones. Those are my favorite kind of flavor of lollipop to get. Anyway, our right. bet boost for this uh, for, for uh, this week, we've gone all pro football since minus three first kicked off uh, a handful of weeks ago. This week, though, we're looking at college football, and it's Eddie Spaghetti's favorite football team, Notre Dame and BC is the bet. Minus three's college football super boost. Notre Dame minus 13 and a half. Boosted up to plus 108. Get in on that. Uh, FanDuel.com slash minus three. That's the word minus yeah. and the number three. Do you like that one, Shorts? I do. I, I, I'm a little concerned about the letdown spot for Notre Dame here, but I figured that we would give Eddie and his Irish a big boost here because I was against them. So were you last weekend. And that was their biggest win in multiple years. And so I think Notre Dame fans are going to be excited for this Boston College game. Uh, you know, BC does slow the tempo down a little bit. They're okay on defense. Um, but I think Notre Dame can bookend a, a big Clemson win into something big against Boston College. 
I just got to say one thing about uh, that game and, and muzzle tub. And I know is exciting for Irish fans and college football and sports are better. It's one of those tentpole franchises organizations that uh, the college football is way more interesting when Notre Dame is, is interesting and relevant and think, but for all the people who talk about, um, is this championship going to get an asterisk or like what, you know, because of COVID and everything, I think we have the early returns on that where football is concerned. Nobody has mentioned no. hardly at all that like, yeah, by the way, you know, Trevor Lawrence didn't play in that game. It's just all like Notre Dame. They beat Clemson. Can you believe it? It, it, like, it didn't matter because DJ still played great. And the reason why Notre Dame won is they dominated the trenches. Trevor Lawrence yeah. would have had the same stat line. Well, I mean, that's a, that's a little aggressive. Don't you think? I mean, no. I, I the game went to overtime, but but the best player in the country wouldn't have made a, a minor difference enough that Clemson wins. I was sure that Schwartz and I were going to win that one, by the way, uh, minus five and a half. I was sure at halftime. I was sure it, early in the third quarter. I was this is still going to work out. And uh, once it went to overtime, I still felt kind of good about it. But listen, I'm happy for it. I'm not denigrating the victory. I'm just saying that that's an interesting thing that we emerged from that game and how fast the news cycle or otherwise moves that we're just like, it, it, it's uh, um, an afterthought that Trevor Lawrence wasn't even in the game. People just roll with that and, uh, and are on to the next it's week. Gonna, it's going to matter when they play again, AC championship game. And also, sure. you know, if they did not play again, it would matter when we talk about college ball playoff right now, they'll play again, obviously. And, and Lawrence should be back for that game. And we'll, you know, we'll talk about that game a little differently. But DJ, I mean, look, he's number one recruit in the country for a reason. Um, really good football player. So, but again, Notre Dame, great win. We boosted their odds. Guys, get in on Notre Dame this weekend against Boston College. I like it. It's a, what, what is it called? Is there like some nickname for it? Like the Catholic Bowl or something? They both wear the gold hat. Uh, Holy War. The Holy War, that's right. That's yeah, right. and they're, and Boston College is really hyping up this game because it's the the Phil Yurkovich, uh, Drakovich revenge game. They're doing the whole red bandana thing. Obviously, the story about the lacrosse player in 9-11, which um, is is a incredibly heartbreaking story. But um, I, that being said, I hate Boston College with every fiber of my being. I'm wearing a BU shirt. I hate them. I went to the better school in Boston. Notre Dame is going to come back hot, I think. They're getting their one receiver back. So I think if you have the chance to go on uh, Fandle.com slash minus three, and bet boost this i would i would take it is is that one of those rivalries where boston college doesn't know you exist but you really hate boston college as a boston person in terms of ho- well there's a hockey rivalry recently uh, uh sorry that's, that's right yeah bu, that's over, BU overall is is um probably the more storied uh school uh, obviously like the miracle on ice most of those guys went to bu and you know jack parker legendary coach and i was lucky to see him when i was there until 2014 um that being said, the stretch that I was there and recently BC has been fairly better, but, um, uh, but you know what? I, I, I like literally my, my number one hated school team. I've hated them even before I went to college. Uh, really? just, yeah. Just even when Notre Dame played them, I always hated BC for some reason, but I think, I think this game is being hyped up as a BC upset win so much. It's coming. It's going to come back around. Notre Dame is going to just kill them. Well, Spaghetti said it, and this was a revelation to me three or four years ago when I first started to catch wind of it. I always assumed that everybody's NFC's biggest rivalry game was was blank versus the Dallas Cowboys. I've learned, though, that it's Eagles and Giants, and here it is again. That's why you heard Deshaun Jackson at the top. Let's get your pick on that one. Eagles minus three and a half going into New Jersey to play that one. The total is 44 and a half. Jeff Schwartz, how say you on this one? Yeah, this one is, is tough for me. I I I don't have a great feel in this game. I feel like obviously Eagles off a of bye, they're getting healthier. But Doug Peterson not been great off a of bye as Eagles head coach. Giants have played a lot of close games. I think six games under eight points. This game was obviously a one point game when they met the first time around. I lean Giants plus a three and a half here. Um, I, I think the Eagles. Uh, Eagles probably win the game, but I think Giants can keep this game close. Uh, both turnover, uh, both quarterbacks turnover uh, prone. Daniel Jones, no turnovers last week, so he's bound to regress this weekend. So I still think the Giants can cover that that hook there at three and a half. I think I, I'm conflicted. You mentioned them getting healthy, and a lot of people are starting to point to that and beware the Eagles. But I'm I, listen, I think the Eagles in the NFC where – the Saints are great, but they still have Drew Brees at the trigger, and he has not performed in December and January in the last right. few years now. 
So I'm not sold on them. Maybe their defense is going to be what it was on Sunday night. And if it is, then they are the clear cut best team. Although the Packers are good too. But anyhow, the point is there's not some so terribly scary team that if the Eagles do catch fire, that they can't make some hay in January. And I, I don't know what the limit is. Could they go to the Super Bowl? I don't know if they're all the way healthy. Maybe no, they the could. Limit, the limit is none of that. I don't. Why? If if they get healthy, what's limited them so far is is just an atrocious no, run. It's Carson Wentz being atrocious. I know, but if they get better, if they block for him better, almost every human being this side of Russell Wilson uh, suffers from bad O line play at this point. And so maybe he looks a lot better if the guys in front of him start right. to play better. But the other side of that is if the Giants beat the Eagles, look at what the Eagles have coming up in the second half schedule wise. It is brutal. It's, oh, yeah. it's all the good teams, basically. And uh, so. I think bottom line is I think we're tracking to a six nine and one division champion here. I know people yeah. have been talking about that this is going to be a sa- a sorry uh, uh, winner of a division, but I think the Eagles are going to win it and they're going to have six wins for the season. Spaghetti, your pick on that. Anyway, for this one, I'm going to take the Eagles here minus the three and a half. Spaghetti. Yeah, I wanted to originally um, lay the points with the Eagles, but I think the Giants are trending upwards. The two things I'm worried about is, one, the offensive line play is still near the bottom of the league, but it has been better, especially Andrew Thomas has been better the last two games. And um, Jason Garrett has called his best uh, games of the season these last two. The only issue is, will Daniel Jones start to be like look like himself from last year because what he was best at was the deep ball and Garrett's finally calling some deep passes and the Giants have very very few big plays so really in my brain until he starts to do that I'm really not going to feel confident in the Giants offense I do trust the defense um, despite the Eagles getting back uh, Miles Sanders I believe and Jalen Rager's been healthy now who was their you know top receiver they just picked so I, I am a little afraid of that Carson Wentz will still get his I just really need to see Jones uh, take the step forward and and just you know hit Slayton down the field hit Ingram up the seam that being said Giants getting three and a half I do trust the defense they may lose the game like Jeff said but I do like the Giants um getting that point so I would go on uh fanal.com slash minus three and take the Giants plus three and a half all right let's take a break from our picks right now and uh in front of getting to Cincinnati Bengals Pittsburgh Steelers renewal of not a rivalry um let's get to Willie Cologne here and to help transition to that conversation spaghetti to me the greatest play in pro football, nay, the greatest play in football, nay, the greatest moment in American or perhaps even human history was in 2015 playoffs, the wild card round. The Bengals were finally going to win a playoff game against their hated uh, Pittsburgh Steeler bully um, division foes. And uh, Vontez Burfick picked off Landry Jones with 90 seconds to go and uh, decided that the game was over and tried to run off. That's not how it ended up working out. However, here is, to me, the funniest moment, at least, in uh, in pro football history. 143 on the clock. First and 10, Pittsburgh down by a point. Landry Jones back to throw from his five over the middle. Pitches. Perfect. Yeah. Intercepts yeah. it. Vontaze yeah. Perfect yeah. comes away with a football. Yeah. The Bengals have yeah. the ball with one minute and 36 seconds to go. Yeah. Vontaze Perfect sprinting toward the locker room. He has run inside the locker room, which makes no sense. He'd better come back out before there's a penalty flag. (laughs) I'm telling you, the funniest moment in sports history right there. 90 seconds later, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers advanced to the divisional round. The Bengals went home to, to lick their wounds. Hey, here to talk about the Bengals and the Steelers and a whole bunch of other things. You know, I'm from Barstool blowing up over there with Going Deep, Barstool Breakfast. He's got a new show, Feed Willie. All these things you must check out. And, of course, he's a Super Bowl champion, and he did it wearing the black and gold. It's Willie Cologne. What's happening, man? What's going on, guys? Thanks for having me. Certainly. Hey, before anything else, let's start right there because a lot of people, you can hear the bloodlust from the crowd shouting down. You can see it out under the field. From the Steelers' point of view, I think I already know the answer, but rivalry or hammer and nail effect? Which which better describes the Steelers and Bengals over the decades? Oh, it's definitely a hammer and nail effect. I mean, it's not it's not even um, it's not even close. It, it, it's wild, man, because I I'm a big fan of Joe, Joe Burrow. I am. I like the kid a lot. I like everything about him. I love his moxie. I love his toughness. I think he's going to be a legit star in this league. But 
my years of playing the Bengals, man, I, I never could stand them because they were kind of like that knowing, you know, that knowing there's annoying assholes around the corner that somehow getting your way when you don't want them to, right? Like when they're just always in the way, you got to go through them. You know, you got you can beat them, but you still got to face them. So, uh, but I've I've had some good battles with uh, Cincinnati when I used to play. And uh, I never feared them. It was just uh, more of beating up your cousins in the backyard and then getting ready for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> how, how tough is it on on Burrow right now? I was talking about him and, and offensive line play. With, with that offensive line the Bengals have, it feels like the kid, I mean, I, I don't even know if the Bengals should, should, should keep running him out there, right? I mean, shouldn't you try to preserve him for next year? I mean, their offensive line is that bad, and the Steelers this weekend are going to put a hurt on him. Well, I, 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 th- I think it sends a different message if you if you hide you hide one guy, don't hide the rest of the team. Like you know what I mean? Like <laughs> you don't tuck away Joe Mixon and you don't tuck away uh, some other key components to your team that can really help you win later down the road. Obviously, the, the Cincinnati Bengals offensive line is horrible. They know it. Um, it's just a matter of them just trying to get through the season. Hopefully, they can get some guys and free agency in the draft that can really uh, you know get that team going. But it's just the way that Jeff, you know, it is. It's just a lot of bad offensive line play, oh, yeah. not just in Cincinnati, just around the league, man. There's a lot of guys, and you know, when we were playing, a lot of offensive line coaches uh, contributed it to, you know, not enough time in the off season. You know, not you know, guys weren't just, you know, it's, it's not enough time in the off season. Not enough guys being taught the proper way of playing offensive line at an early age, um, and particularly in college. And then a lot of guys who just go rogue, you know, they learn all this stuff during practice. And then when the bullets get hot, they freak the fuck out. And so, you know, they, you know what I mean, Jeff? Like they, oh, they yeah. know how to kick set. They know where their hands should be. They know what to do. Well, you got somebody, you know, coming down and beating down your chest. They don't believe in the technique. And then usually when you don't believe in what you're, what you're trained to do, bad things happen. Do, do you think coming out of Hofstra now with mm-hmm. the lack of practice time, with maybe the, the spread offenses in college, could you have turned into the player that you became coming out in 2020? No, you know, I, I came from a spread, I, I spread offense. I was, I was a right tackle, you know, standing, I was in a two point stance pretty much my whole college career. When I got to Pittsburgh, I was extremely fortunate to have office line coach of Russ Grimm and Russ Grimm was one of the original hogs. You know, he was birthed in the dirt. So when I got to Pittsburgh, man, he, he was flat out like, listen, we don't stand up here. You want to be able to, you want to be a Pittsburgh Steeler, you got to put your hand in the dirt and we got to play out a three point stance. So it took me a while. Um, it took me a while to kind of get comfortable in that stance, being able to fire out of that, uh, be able to, you know, do things that I felt comfortable in doing in the two point. I had to now learn how to do it in the three point. But that, to your point, all that took, I did all that in the offseason. I did all that in practice, after practice. I did all that kind of fine tuning and, and, and restructuring my game. Because in Pittsburgh, we run power. We, you know, we're going to double the front side. We're pulling the big, pulling the big <laughs> wagon around, and here we come. So if I didn't know how to operate and be efficient in that in, in that stance, it just I wasn't going to be a Pittsburgh Steeler. So, but Russ, gave he allowed me to have the time. He gave me the confidence, and he allowed me to say, you know, I mean, I, it's funny. This was against the Bengals. I had to go. My second my second start in the NFL was against Sam Adams, man. Yeah. <laughs> And so I had just went. My first start was against the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, I had played Trevor Price, who's all of 6'8", 290 pounds, absolute monster, alongside with the rest of the goons and the Baltimore Ravens. And then the next week, I had big-ass Sam Adams. And I remember walking onto the field, man, and he was like, oh, man, that's nice. I'm so happy for you. I'm, I'm really happy that they, they allow you to start, man. Good for you. And here I am, just like in battle mode, Jeff. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm in like, oh, yeah. man. I'm looking at big ass Sam Adams is all of six, five, three plus, 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 plus. Um, and he's like, like happy that I got the nod. He knows I'm a rookie, but he was giving me the smile. Like, man, I'm about to wear your ass out before quarters, but I'm really, I'm really happy for you. I'm really in. <laughs> we battled, man. And I remember we had, um, it was pretty much, it was like a power on the front side and I, I had a base block. I sent the left, I sent my right guard, uh, cause it was like a down, down call. And so I had a one-on-one. And I fired, I, I shot on my goddamn cleats, man. And I moved him probably like an inch, two, barely. Uh, and and we were able to kind of break through, uh, through for uh, five yards. And he and uh, he looked at me. He's like, man, you're really having a great game. He's like, that, that was good. And I said, no, you got to stop talking to me. Stop talking to me. Like, I don't like you. You say, cool, we ain't cool. I mean, you know, I'm in battle mode. And uh, it, was, it was wild, man. But I remember going after that game, going back to uh, – Going watching a film, 
And then Russ was like, the reason why you was able to shoot off and work your leverage and do all the things we've been teaching you because you've been practicing, right? Like this is the AFC North football. We've been grooming you to go against guys like this, and that's why he was efficient on this block. And when you trust the technique and you trust the process, that's why you're able to be a Pittsburgh Steelers. So everything has a rhyme or reason, but you got to believe in it. And a lot of guys – don't have that time to believe in the process. They don't have that time to mature and kind of go through that maturation period. I was a kid out of Hofstra. You know, I didn't go to Oregon. I, I didn't I didn't play in a big Pac-12 or a big Pac-10 or whatever the hell it was at the time. So for me, you know, I was – the biggest guy I had played against in Hofstra was like 250. You know what I mean? He was 5'11". You know what I mean? I, was like, <laughs> I played against a couple guys that were big, but, you know, I, I can get down. New year to the NFL, man, you play against guys who are – like I said, my first game was against Trevor Price, who's all oh, of yeah. six. By the way, he's from Brooklyn, so he's just he got an attitude just like me. He's 290 pounds. He had played a, a million games uh, prior to seeing me. And then the next week, I got Sam Adams, who, you know, Sam had a, a long career, played a lot of football, down, and get down football, especially coming out of Texas. So um, it, it was – it was. I'm, I'm grateful for having the time. I'm grateful for having Russ Grimm. And I'm grateful for being alongside guys like Alan Fanica, Jeff Hart, you know, Jeff Harding, Marvell Smith, Kendall Simmons. All these guys that just won a Super Bowl with their hand in the dirt, learning the, pro- learning the technique, learning the, you know, going through the process and uh, playing Steelers-type football. So I was, I, was, I was blessed, man. I was blessed to have all that around me. How about I, I'm fascinated for both of you uh, offensive linemen, and, and I love talking about the trash talking on the field. What percentage of it, what percentage of guys does it work on? Like if you, uh, like Ike Taylor, the, uh, the stories he's he's told me over the years, um, you know, it could fill 10 hours with of the trash talking out there. But he and Steve Smith, they said that they, they just had detente. They just agreed that they were both the two best at it. So they respected each other too much to do it. But what percentage of guys does like talking stuff actually get in their head and distract them from doing their thing over Oh, man, I, I talked a lot of shit. That was that was a big part. That was a big part of my game. Um, did and it was and I didn't talk shit to like get me into the game. Like some guys talk shit to kind of get themselves up and get. I wasn't. I talked shit because I really hated you. I really didn't like you. So I was really trying to tell you how much I hated you while I was trying to take your face off. And with all that, you know, like I said, playing that ground and pound type style football, it started to feel like a UFC match. I remember one time I went back and asked my college coach to watch a game. I was like, hey man. Watch, watch me on, watch me on this. You know, I had just transitioned at the time because I came off, uh, off of IR, and I went from right tackle, and then I went to left guard towards the back in my career. And I asked my offensive line coach, who's a technician. Uh, shout out to Damian Robleski. Uh, he's down at JMU. Uh, but I asked him, I was like, "Hey, man, what do you think about this? What do you, you know? What should I have my hand place? My hat? All this stuff?" And he was just like, "I'm gonna be honest with you. I watched probably five clips. It looks like you're in a goddamn UFC fight. You're all over the place." But you, you said, I know you're out there battling. Cause, you know, at the time I, I got the dreads, I'm swinging and I'm, I'm scrapping. And he said, it looks like you, he's like you're fucking. He's like, you got to calm down. He's like, you got to calm down, get back to the basics. You can do everything you need to do. But the reason I was the reason I was looking like that, because I had gotten I was getting in a fight with Cullen Jenkins and who, who used to play for the, oh, yeah. he, for the he Giants. A, he was a shit talker. He, like he, he talked, talked a lot. That damn game. Oh, and okay. so at the time I was talking shit to him. He was talking shit to me, and I had threw everything out the window. I just wanted to fight. So that's why that's why I looked like that. But a lot of times, man, <laughs> I talk shit because I believe I can whoop your ass until you prove me wrong. And so that was just my mindset. And, you know, I just enjoyed it. But a lot of guys on the Steelers, we all talk shit. That was just – we talk shit in practice. We talk shit in everything. We talk shit in the lunchroom. We talk shit going, going to our cars, going home. We were just – we just a bunch of bullies talking shit, but it always kept you on your game. You know what I mean? It wasn't, and we didn't talk shit to demean anybody. We talked shit because we were confident. You know what I mean? It's the difference. We weren't trying to make anybody feel bad. We just felt like, listen, you you you're in the ring with a bunch of bullies. Either you're gonna swing or get swung on. And so that was just kind of our, our mentality, and it and it worked for us. Uh, I and no surprise to anyone listening that knows me well. I would just talk all game. I just talk all game. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, I, I would talk all game. Sometimes I would talk shit. Sometimes I'd just talk. I mean, just like bullshit with people. Like Jeff is I, the worst type of guy. I would I would hate if he play. If he he's not my type of shit talker. Like he's the guy that's like, listen, man. So how you how would you smoke a, a fucking how would you smoke a fucking brisket? 
Like he that <laughs> had nothing to do with the game. Had nothing to do. Yeah, I just he was but, just like then. So what made you put those shoes on today? Because it went with the jersey. That's great. Awesome. But awesome. like I, but I didn't take. I didn't take. But I, the difference is, I didn't take shit from people though. Like if people True. were to come at me, I'd go back at them. Like True. I wasn't an instigator. The worst type of shit talker, by the way, is not Willie. It's not me. It's the dude who talks shit to your guy and then doesn't have to block him. Correct. Which, which plenty, which, which I've had plenty of guys do. Like, you know, I'm, I'm blocking, for example, let's say like Julius Peppers, okay? Yeah. And I'm at right tackle, and the left guard, after every play, talks shit to him. He doesn't have to block him. <laughs> I do. And it's like, dude, shut the fuck up. Let me, let me deal with him. And there, there are a couple guys, though, that like, I, I'm sort of like, so when you played Haloti, did you try to fire him up or did you just be like, like, calm with him it i i i knew when to fire off and i knew when to like i i felt like i i didn't i didn't come off firing off it was always like either i did something dirty or he did something dirty well we were just locked eyes i'm like all right fuck it let's just go then you want to be the, you want to have that type of game <laughs> so it never started off that way yeah, halfway through it was just like fuck it gloves yeah, off there's Fuck you, fuck me, let's just go. There, there, there's some guys where you're like, Haloti was one of them, because I played with him in college too, so I knew him well. Like, you kind of just like, you know, yeah, yeah, you're, you're going to go at it with each other, but like, he's one of those guys where you just don't want to like give him the little, the little extra because he, he can have this extra I gear would, to go. Yeah, I was um, an idiot that gave him a little extra too many times. But, but I liked, I like guys that talk shit. Like, I think it was fun to, to go back and forth with guys. I, I don't know if, if people still talk as much shit anymore, but. I, I liked it. I think it's a fun part of the game. And like people want to know how the sausage is made. And then yep. when they hear it, they get all offended by it. None of us got offended. It's part of the deal. And we knew certain guys, especially on the defensive line. I remember we played a guy in 2013. The game plan was, excuse my language, was to call him a bitch every play. Nice. Was every single play, one person in the offensive line made sure to call him that word. Wait, wait, wait. Play. So, so there's a book, in other words, like, if we talk enough yes. shit today, this will get under this yes. particular guy. We, we knew yeah, the, the offensive lineman played with him in college. He knew him really well. And our <laughs> goal was that every single play, it didn't matter who it was, one person every play had to go in his ear when the play was over and talk shit to him. And it worked. He got pissed off. He didn't play very well. It worked great. So like to Willie's point, there's some guys you can do that to. Like you yeah. know, and and when Willie's young and, and the guy's talking shit to him, he's playing like a a UFC fighter, like there's some guys when you know certain guys, and obviously Willie didn't. That wasn't a problem his whole career, but like <laughs> that's like that's something that works. Yeah, it's funny you said that, Jeff. I remember we were playing, um, we were playing Tennessee, man. It was a Tennessee, or it was I forgot. It was either Tennessee or San Diego, somebody. And at, at the time, our center was Justin Hartwig, uh, yeah. and I. Oh, we were playing San. No, we were playing San Diego. Remember the nose tackle Jamal Williams? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Jamal Williams was a dog, right? He was a good ball player, yeah, good yeah. tackle. Um, he was kind of he was amongst that nose tackle area where it was Casey Hampton, Hampshire, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. they're all big beasts yeah. in the middle. And I just had it like I just hated Jamal Williams. I just I got tired all week. I had heard how good he was, how much of a run stopper he was, and all this stuff. So we would we would get double team blocks uh, on the front side, and I would try to wash him from here to Tokyo. Like I did, I didn't give a fuck about the middle linebacker. I would try <laughs> this guy every time I get a chance. So anyway, he ended up going, he ended up reducing down. So now he's on like a one on the center. Um, and I had just been talking shit with him all game. And so now he goes down. He feels like he's going to go have a day on uh, on uh, Justin. And so anyway, I'm still talking shit to him, even though I'm not going against him. He's, he's further down. Justin, no bullshit, turns around and goes, hey, man, enough. That's my guy right now. <laughs> like, I stop talking shit to him. And I looked at him and said, no, we're on the same office in line. You can't be talking to me like that. You got to back me up. And so, just I remember in the huddle, I got a, my right guard at the time, Darnell Stapleton. He got to tell you, it was the funniest. He looked at me like, man, whatever you guys had on, leave it over there. Don't bring that shit. I have been having a good game. I had no problem blocking them. Like, don't be, you know, shut it up. And so, it, it's funny, man. That's, those are real stories. All, some guys, and some guys don't talk. Some guys just, they'll just stare at you, stare at you, and they just go to work. They don't, they don't hear none of it, so. That would spook me the most of all. Somebody who isn't out there flapping their gums the whole game. Just my real brother. Serious. My brother does not say a word the entire game. I don't think he says an entire word. And he's he hasn't said a word in four years, five years. Well, I know because I asked him. I asked him in the pregame the one time for his brisket recipe, and he and he just stared at me and turned away. He really, really happened too. Yeah. Really. It, was, it was very rude. I'm like, hey, Jeff Schwartz's brother, you're bragging on social media about your brisket recipe. What is it? He turned. 
stared at me for like a three count, then turned and yeah. walked away. I was like, what's up with that? I didn't like that. What about, let's talk uh, quickly about these 2020 Steelers and how they're looking so far. What do you make of, I mean, eight, no, too much complaining as far as I'm concerned from uh, from um, the black and gold fans out there. There ain't no, oh, oh after all, uh, let's not complain too much. But it does seem like they are struggling to run the ball a little bit. Um, how do you... How do you figure that one out? Is it Mike Munchak leaving two years ago? Is it, you know, is it the collective age? What, what What's the issue here? Um, well, I, I think it's a little bit, <clears throat> I think it's a little bit of the age, man. Like, you know, Pouncey and Castro, they've played a lot of ball. Castro's been in and out of the lineup. Um, you know, you lose the big right tackle, Zach Banner, who who they had a lot of hopes in kind of really driving that offensive line, especially on the right side. And it, being a part of, you know, sometimes, especially in my days with the Jets, when you're playing with a makeshift line, you can prepare a guy. You pair those five guys all you want. Jeff can contribute to this, too. You can prepare those five guys all you want. But there's nothing like the heat of the battle when nonverbal talk happens and you guys are on the same page and you just work because you guys know where to be, how to operate. And sometimes when you kind of deal with patchwork guys, the Bears are going through it for Christ's sakes. Yeah. A lot of different offensive lines are going through it. It takes time to be efficient. So when you have guys in and out of lineup, you got one guy's dealing with nerves, another guy's dealing with injury, another guy's dealing with just not knowing, you know, just what it's like to be out there for a long period of time. You know, offensive lineman, we, we don't get to tap. I, that's what I try to tell people. We don't we don't get to say <laughs> this. We, we can't do this. You know, we if an intercession happens and we got to chase the son of a bitch down and we got to get right back on the field and we got to go do it again. So it's it, it's a lot that goes into it. And I think a lot of times and, I, and I'm only standing on the side of the office line because not just because I'm office line, but I think a lot of people understand for all five guys to be efficient and, and, and communicate non-verbally and think yeah. and operate where, it, you know, you got 10 seconds to give everything you need, all the information you got for one play. That takes time, man. So and plus on top of that. They're looking about. They're looking behind them, and there's a 38 year old quarterback who's worth 100 million dollars. That's pre- that's that's pressure in itself. Yeah. So you don't want to be the guy to fuck him up, right? Because he's he's the key. So all that comes into play, and a lot of guys um, are, are trying to figure it out as they go. But I'm with you. Um, I knew the Dallas game was going to be one of those games where I'm just like, man, this could be the game where they just stub their toe. And the first, I mean, for the first three quarters, I was just like, holy hell. Um, but the Steelers always find a way, and that's just the steal away, man. It's never pretty. It's never great. Um, it's, it's it's always – it is what it is, as long as we get the W. What the hell, though, with that for real? I mean, I, I've gone to many Steelers, and now I turn to you. Mike Tomlin is one of the generation's greatest coaches, obviously, sure. at this point, um, beyond debate. However, the kryptonite remains. Bad teams on the road. What mm. what, what the hell already? Why, why What is the ongoing plague of that? Um, I don't, I don't have an excuse for that. You know what I mean? Cause I, I, that's something, especially when I was a Steeler, man, we pride, we, we understood and it was a large part of it because we watched how the Patriots operated, you know, to be efficient you and be respected. You got to win in other people's homes, right? It's easy to kick ass in your own house, but you got to be able to do the damn thing in somebody else's territory. And so we, I know it was a lot of emphasis, uh, especially on away games, that it, and it was kind of, you know, Coach Mitch uh, at the time was our defensive line coach. Coach Mitch had a whole system on teams who are uh, do great on the road and where they end up. And it was usually in the AFC Championship or in, yeah. or in uh, the Super Bowl. So we we were very conscious about what it meant to win on the road. But it's still hard. You know, there's still hard. There's so many things you can't account for, uh, you know, with sleep, rest, travel, food. I mean, you can make a million excuses why guys – uh, aren't as good as they are at home, but you know it's the NFL. They pay you to get it done. You got to get it done. So we try to make not to make those excuses. And I, I know it's talked about with Mike Tomlin. We don't make excuses. The standard is standard. I know you heard those things. Um, and it's that's just what it is. So Steeler fans have been quite upset at me this week because I said like, look, and I was and Dave will tell you, Eddie will tell you, I was on the Steelers. Yeah, I, hate I, 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 I loved. That. I love the Steelers this year. You do look ridiculous. Short. I just, I just, I just oh, sure. I would prefer you to take it off. Just, just do it. Oh, okay. Yeah, just, <laughs> we could, for, for those, uh, I've never shared this story here. So Willie and I worked out together. It's one of my favorite things about Willie. We worked out together in Arizona. So we worked out together in the, in the heat in the summer in a warehouse with no air conditioning. Willie would. Willie it was like the well. elder statesman. He was the oldest guy of the group, I believe. I think you were the oldest guy of the group. Yeah. Uh, you and Max, when Max starts, yeah. were the oldest guys of the group. Um, and so Willie would, would would show up. He had every year he would rent a Mercedes two door <laughs> convertible, 
and he'd show up with the top down with no shirt on. He'd go work out. He'd get his workout in, just <laughs> not dry off or nothing, walk right back in that Benz and get the heck out of there. <laughs> like just, it was just the greatest thing ever. Like, you know, like I'm, I'm seven years old and everyone else, I got shit to do. I'm getting my workout in. I'm getting the hell out of there. And yeah. I, I always respected him for it. <laughs> I appreciate it. That's just where I roll, baby. Fuck it. Get his workout in and go. Um, um, I, I see those fans were, were pissed at me because I said, that I think their offense is not explosive enough to win a Super Bowl. Um, what do they have to do to get more plays down the field? Is it an offensive line issue? Is it a Ben issue? Is it a coordinator issue? Because look, to beat the Chiefs, I know your defense is good, but you got to get the ball down the field a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree with you. I mean, as far as that defense, I think the Dallas Cowboys exposed them a little bit last Sunday. You spread them out, man. They became human, and I think that's the biggest. I and mean, that's always kind of been the Steelers' niche. You put you put yourself in a phone booth with them, uh, with them, they're gonna beat you up. But if you spread them out, where linebackers have to now cover slot receivers and and other and and running backs who can actually catch the ball and run, that's when the Steelers look like, oh, we may have something here. Um, we may be in trouble, trouble rather. But I think as far as the offensive side, I think a lot of it has to do with a lot of young guys, in particular. You know what Claypool can do, but now he's no he's no longer a secret, right? I think a lot of defenses understand what he's capable of, especially he can blow the top off the defense. But the guys like uh, Johnson and, and and other running backs, those guys, and those guys have to be more efficient, and they got to open it up. I think one thing I loved about the days with Willie P. Uh, and Rashard Mendenhall, not to be not to sound outdated, but the screen game, we have to get back in the screen game. You, we got to be. Everybody knows the Steelers want to run the ball. It's just part of our DNA. We know we can throw the ball because of Ben and some of the receivers we have. But the screen game, uh, the bubble screens. All those things help open up an offense. So we got to get back to that, and uh, we'll see. I trust Randy Fittner. I got a lot of respect for him. Obviously, I'll, he coached me as well. Um, but they got to they got to go in the bag a little bit, especially late down the road. We got we still got Buffalo on it. You got Baltimore. You got Buffalo. Uh, you got Cincinnati. You got Cleveland. You know, all those are going to and all all those teams are going to take the best shot. So you we got to we got to open up. I, I I couldn't be more with you about that. And we, we, you bring in Matt Canada to install presumably the jet sweep action. We've barely seen it, but Anthony yeah. McFarlane is a home run hitter. That's why I feel like they're trying to integrate him a little bit more. Um, but yeah, between Deontay Johnson and Claypool and otherwise, you would think that that would at least spook the defense a little bit to see one of those guys um, running crossers behind the O-line and in front of Roethlisberger. Mm. Um what about a couple more questions for you, uh, Willie, that I have? One, for two offensive linemen. I think you kind of answered it, Willie. Seems to me, when you do pick up football um, growing up, nobody wants to be like, oh, you want to be the automatic QB, or you want to be quarterback or whatever. Nobody wants to be on the offensive line. You put right. the bombs out. How do you transition mentally to being like, Oh yeah, I'm never gonna touch the ball. There's never, there's not gonna be any. There's no fun. I'm not gonna get to carry yeah. it. I don't get any glory or anything. Nobody knows what I'm doing. Like fans have no ability to assess who's a good offensive lineman versus a bad one. How do you mentally get right and and, and be super engaged as an offense? Because it doesn't look fun to me at all. Leaning on 300 pound men all day. Um, it was always see. I never saw it that way because I transitioned. I, I went. I was a defensive tackle that trans, uh, transitioned to offensive line. You know, I was. I was a guy. I was. I was a see ball, get ball guy. And I just always, when I started playing offensive line, I started respect. I started respecting the craft, um, and somewhat the, the 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 mastery of it. You know, just being able to use your feet, your hands. Um, you know, being able to you know set your opponents up. It's all about rhythm. It's all about cadence. It's all about each guy's different. So when you kind of in, indulge and kind of really go down that rabbit hole, you appreciate the play. And then I tried – and Jeff can uh, Jeff can help me out here, man. I, I tell a lot of guys, offensive linemen nowadays, you know, they get so caught up with having a fucking six-pack and looking nice and they looking all sweet on the field. But the guys I respected growing up, like offensive line play, Big John Runyon, Wooly oh, Rowe. Yeah. Uh, Anthony John, Ogden. John, John, Big John Ogden, like those guys, they was no style points. They were coming to kick your ass and they take their hands. Oh, yeah. Those were the guys I respected. Flo, uh, um, Larry oh, Allen. Yeah. So there was, it, I mean, it was just a different culture of what you appreciated. For me, I appreciated those guys so much. I mean, Marshall Yonda, even though I played against him, he's probably one of my favorite offensive linemen of all time. Um, and he's a Raven for Christ's sake, but I respect how he played the game and the manner in which he played it, man. I mean, even. Even with Jeff could talk about with the Giants, the days of uh, Deal and O'Hara and, 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 and 
and Snee, like they played the game like true yeah. offensive linemen. They weren't worried about. I mean, they taped their hands and had elbow pads. They were drooling and bleeding. You know what I mean? They weren't worried about looking sweet. So for me, I I just it was kind of like it's kind of like I grew up watching young samurais. You right? Like you, you to be a samurai, you got to start here. Yeah. But when you get to that top level, where you're a badass, just when you step on the field, you understand the process. And so that goes back into me. I just I was able to understand what good offensive linemen look like, yeah. how, how are they respected, why they are respected. Um, and then you kind of fall into that 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 realm of just like, man, when you see a guy a fall step, when you see a guy not use his hands, when oh, you yeah. see a guy get whooped, when you see all these things, you know why. Because you can you can go from the good to the bad. Yeah. And, you know, Jeff and I, being office linemen who who were coached under good office line coaches, yeah. We're we're watching a digression. We're watching guys go backwards because it, you tell their mental focus and their state of mind is isn't where it should be. Like I I I'm a big fan of Gabe Gabe Jackson and Rodney Hudson, those guys in the rig because they they still have kind of that rough and tumble nine on seven mentality. And I think a lot of it, once again, a lot of these guys are so caught up in you know trying to trying to pitch a shutout, right? Like, well, I don't want to give up a sack. This is the fucking NFL, dog. They eat too. It's about doing your job and doing your job at a high level. Some people don't get off and some people aren't. You're going to have good days, you're going to have bad days. That's just a common man line, right? That's that's your pop going to work. You're going to have a good day at the job, you're going to have a yeah. bad day. But it's how you take that mentality and how you recover and how you stay in the fight. You can give up a sack, but you still got three other quarters to go, right? You can't soak for four plays. And that's, that's all about growing up. And so I was fortunate to watch a lot of uh, – Really, really good offensive linemen play for a really, really long time. Being with the Pittsburgh Steelers, seeing guys like, you know, you got up there. I, I remember when I was in spring, man, before before Pouncey got to us, they were working me at center uh, because they wanted me to shuffle down. And we, there were talks about it. Mike Tomlin really didn't want to do it because I was I was really good at right tackle. But if there's a chance that they get a right tackle, bump Willie inside, we can make the line better. So I was, I was taking snaps at uh, – I was working at center. And – I didn't know anything about center. I didn't play it. And I didn't, I, I honestly didn't want the ball in my hand. I thought I didn't, I didn't want that responsibility, but I started watching tape on Damani Dawson and I caught a, I caught a boner, bro. I was like, <laughs> this guy is fucking sex. It, it, this guy's a sexy ass center. Like he was just so cold. Like he was so cold to me and it opened me up. Right. It kind of gave me like, listen, man, you can do this. If you wrap your mind around that. And I started, I watched probably three weeks of Damani Dawson tape. I even, I even called uh, uh, Coach Mouse. You know Coach Mouse, right? Uh, he's with the Bills, with the Giants back in the day. Um, but Mouse was, David? Uh, oh, no. No, uh, so yeah, Larry yeah. Zerline yeah. was my offensive line coach, too. And I was like, I, I remember asking um, Coach Zerline, I was like, man, would you, could we ever find tape on the money back in when he was in Kentucky? Like, I, I want to see where he started and where he – he's like, I, well, I think I can call Mouse and, and all this other stuff, but um, – I, I was in love with Demonte Dawson, man. Like I watched probably three weeks. He he was like he was my football porn. Like seriously, bro. He was he was cold blooded. I loved everything about him. Man, that is the coolest. It really is, I guess, kind of akin to uh, the sweet science. Uh, you know, this yeah. combo of of brawn, but also the you know Ali was a tactician, and that's what uh, distinguished him from everybody else. Fascinating. I, I think you have to find your reason to love offensive line play. It's different, for, I think, for a lot of people. And, you know, in high school, I got moved over to offensive line. And the, 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 basically the thing was like, look, you can play in the NFL. Like you, you're, you're big enough to play in the NFL. First of all, it was college, right? Like you'll, you'll go to college. And I had coaches that taught me to love offensive line play. Mm -hmm. They taught me yep. to, 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 because I think, look, you, you, you can only be good offensive line play if you use the right technique. And I had coaches that taught me and to Willie's point, until I was long, I coached that taught me how to be good. And then you start being good at it. You start to love it. And then you start to study it more and, and, and you start to enjoy the process more. And I'm glad Willie brought up something that this pisses me off a lot. And I know it's an old man geezer thing to say. Offensive linemen now dress way too pretty. Way okay? too pretty. I don't want to see your back flap. I don't want to see that you you have you have wristbands you on, on and you have a towel on your hip and you have and your, your shirt's untucked. Tuck your damn shirt in, take off your back flap, tape your hands, wear your elbow pads, like stop Don't looking work. pretty, man. It's in a pretty position. Yeah. We're, yeah. we're not pretty guys. And yeah. too many guys try to be pretty now. I can't stand it. It pisses yeah. me off so much. You yeah. are dressed like an old, uh, an old <laughs> I am. So exactly. You're in, you're in yes. the right. You're like, you're like a Jimmy Buffer concert. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. Yes, last exactly. Thing, last thing, Willie, is, yeah, I, I always like, yeah, the Steelers of, of the 70s, that, that became in vogue was to – 
uh, taped down, would so wear the super small shirt jersey and oh, yeah. taped down so you're uh, even when it was uh, two degrees outside that the muscles were out. It was a gun even like, so even for since you're a Steeler head man, even back in the day, like when I was at Pittsburgh, man, like guys like Tunch and Wolf, you know, who played on yeah. the offensive line, those guys would come after practice and you know, Tunch would teach me Tunch punt, yeah. and we would talk about it, we would do all these things. And because he was a smaller, like I'm, I'm not a typical now. I'm not six five. I'm only six three, but I was built like a goddamn wide as a school bus. So I had to use my feet and I had to use my strength to my advantage. I didn't have, you know, I wasn't the guy that can like stand out there and kick step with you. I had to get on top of you and I had to muscle you. So he taught me a lot of things and kind of hand placement, all those things. And so that's to just point. That's that's being taught good football. You know yeah. what I mean? I wonder if some of these offensive line coaches, not only they don't have the time, but they didn't know good football. And I know there's a lot of good offensive line coaches, so I don't want to discredit anybody. But some of the stuff I see out there, man, I'm just like, whoa, that's when – I, when I started seeing – I started seeing recently, Jeff, that made me – you talking about cringe, bro. I forgot what game I was watching. This was in the league. I saw a guy – it was a two-minute drill. He started backpedaling. He wouldn't even kick step. He just started backpedaling out of it and, and sit and try to take on the bull rush. I said, bro – that can't be life. It's, it's dude. They they teach that in college now. It's ridiculous. Do they? Uh, yeah. It's, it's. I think it's silly. Um, but look, it's it, part, of this deal, part, of this part, part of the development issue in college, and we're seeing a little bit this going back the other direction is when you, when you play so fast in college, and the pace is now slowing down in college. But when you play so fast, you don't work on finishing as much because your job right. is to just is to block the guy and get up to the line of scrimmage. Right. And look, a finish is not a pancake. Okay, everyone thinks it's a pancake. It's taking your guy further than he wants to go. Sure. And it's not, it's not always a pancake, but that, but that takes you from like a C lineman to like a B plus a minus lineman. And it right. makes your career. If you can't finish guys, you will not have a career in the NFL. Again, it's not a pancake. A pancake is great. It's great when they happen, sure. but you don't have to pancake juice to finish guys. And so I think there was a, a, there's a loss of focus on the art of finishing and you can only finish guys. And you mentioned Tunch and Grimm and Munch and all those guys is technique. That's how you yeah. finish guys. You mm-hmm. have to have your, you know, your elbows. And it's like, you have to have the power to move someone. And if you don't have a good line coach or you, or you don't study how it's done, or you don't go train at some of these specialized places, you'll never, you'll, 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 you'll never get that fine art of learning how to finish blocks. And the process of, uh, so I have a, I have a nine month old, uh, year old son. In the process of, uh, of him watching Elmo, I put on Orlando Pace tape, and I just let him sit there. And watch. <laughs> I, just, I throw him off to Sam. I'm like, oh, almost done. Watch Orlando Pace. So. <laughs> <laughs> I like towards getting into pancakes. I thought he was yeah. doing. He was giving us a sample of uh, his chatter during a game. Like, what do you like better, pancakes or waffles? <laughs> they, they both have their very correct answer is waffle, of course, because you got those little cups for the syrup in it. But uh, the question I was going to ask you, Willie, we're talking about fashion. Uh, you got the number seventy four behind you there. What is the best and worst number for an offensive lineman to wear? Ooh. Man, so my, my number in college and even in high school was 77. I couldn't have it at the time. That's a great one. That's a great Margo one. Smith had it. So 74 yeah. was kind of – I didn't mind that. Uh, I, I liked it. Then when I got to the Jets, 66 was my number. I had that because to pay tribute to somebody who I had so much respect for and uh, pretty much taught me the game was Alan Fanica. So uh, I, Mario Lemieux, but yeah. okay. <laughs> so, uh, but I think the – so I think the best number, man, the worst – I think the worst number to have is 71. I was going to go 61, but okay, 71. 61 is ugly. It, 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 yeah, 61, 71 is ugly. Um, if you're an office alignment, anytime you can double it up, if you can get a 55, a, a 66, a 77, that's sweet. 70, you know, 70, 70, 70 is kind of ugly. I never seen a 70. Yeah, for an old lineman, now that you mention that, it doesn't stand out to me. Yeah, 70. that's kind of funky, man. A 62, that's kind of ugly. Ugly, yeah. So, Shorts. The the right answer for the ugliest is sixty four. Now Randall McDaniel obviously is that he kind of transcends that because obviously he was a Hall of Famer, great lineman. But sixty four to me, just like you're like, yeah, it's just gross. I think anything from like seventy five to seventy nine is a pretty good number. I feel like those like like all the best players as I as a kid, I watch Ogden. Pace, those guys. Now Walter Jones was in the sixties. I get it, but like those guys, like Munoz. I think Munoz yeah. was seventy-seven, right? Uh, Baselli was seventy-nine. Seventy-nine, like, seventy-eight, or like, like seventy. Like all those guys just had those numbers, like between seventy-five and seventy-nine, that I liked as a kid. And those are the ones that I've always been like attracted to. Those numbers. I was seventy-four because I, I was and I was a rookie, uh, seventh-round draft pick, and I wasn't wasn't <laughs> allowed to choose my number. I just got seventy-four. <laughs> oh, I wasn't allowed to either. But I, I, I also tell you this. 
it's also how you build. You don't yeah, you don't want to see a bad body seventy one, right? You don't want to see a bad, a funky body sixty four. Somebody just just frumpy and you know he just looks all chopped meat in the ass. It's just you don't want all the, that. The, the 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 melted candle, the melted candle body. Yeah, it's just not 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 <laughs> ideal. How do you feel? How do you hear? How do you feel about about in college football right now, Willie? Number zero going to a defensive lineman. It's typically like a big, fat, sloppy one. Number zero. It's like I don't oh. mind it. I don't mind it. Really? Okay. Yeah, I think it's different. I kind of, I kind of support it. Like even in basketball, you see, like when Gilbert Arenas wore zero, it kind of makes you stand out. A big zero with a big belly, man, just <laughs> makes you look like an evil villain somehow. Like, it also sets the bar nice and low for expectation. <laughs> That's why I'd want to have zero. Like people are like. Oh, I'd go with number one if I were the QB. But then you have to be great. You can't be out there wearing number one and stink. You have like zero. Like, expect nothing from me. If I give you anything, (laughs) bonus. If you wear anything from eight and lower, you got to be cold, man. You You can't be out there and nobody know your name. Seven's the best number for all four sports. Like that, that has a cool number. It's like, it looks like an arrow. It's aspirational. It's pointed up. I like that. I think five is the best number. Five is not bad. Yeah, 49 is the way I've re- recently determined 49 the worst running back number. That's a, that you, get, you don't want to be out there running that's around. A full, that's always a fullback. Who's a running back 49? Bobby Mitchell wore it. He's in the Hall of Fame. But, uh, yeah, it's, a, it, it's not steeped in glory. But, anyway, listen, Willie Colon, what stories? I'd love to kibitz with you for another seven and a half hours. Thanks, best, to, best to our now mutual pal, Joey. Uh, we had him on just last week. And, uh, and he was dynamite, uh, and we appreciate it. So best to him and everybody else over there. And uh, thanks for all the time today, man. No, thank you. Anything for Jeff, man. I love him. You just got to change that shirt. We can't have that shirt back. Yeah, I, I, I think we all can agree with that. I, I, it's not a better – you go shirtless, though, it's not better for anybody. That's not going to be good for anybody. No. <laughs> all right. Thank you, Willie. But Take awesome, care, brother. Always. There he is. Willie Cologne, everybody. Dynamite. We've done it again, fellas. He's great. Willie's a great storyteller. I know Willie well. We we worked out together a lot. We've hung out a lot. Um, he's fantastic. He's he's a great NFL story, man. Like Hofstra, and he yeah. mentioned his size. I mean, 6'3 to play offensive tackle. He couldn't, you couldn't do that now. They wouldn't even let you do it. They wouldn't let you try. They wouldn't let you do it. And Super Bowl champion on the Pittsburgh Steelers as a right tackle. I mean, that's it's, Why it's, does it matter that you – I always am curious about that, as a matter of fact, now that comes up. Why does it make a difference that you're tall as a as – a, Well, you typically um, have longer as arms. As a tackle. Longer oh, okay. That, may, that stands to reason. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, they, they always cite that, well, he could never be an, uh, an NFL tackle because he's he's only 6'2", six, 6'3". Uh, six, six, it's like, well, who cares? Can I tell you the best thing I've ever heard about arm length in the NFL from Joe Thomas, who has shorter arms on the shorter side? He said, great, I'm going to steal this from him. I told him before I was going to steal it from him. He said, instead of measuring from the shoulder to the end of the fingers, you should measure from the bottom of the wrist. Because when you punch someone, you punch with your hand up like this. So your finger length doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how long your fingers are. It matters from here, your palm, bottom of your palm or end of your wrist to your shoulder. And how would that change the, the evaluation of offensive linemen based off of measuring that Versus measuring because I have giant hands. My hands are one of the biggest of the combine. So when my when my arm Ooh, length, congratulations, th- thank you, I appreciate it. Um, would it's the only thing about the combine I can brag about because I can't brag about my five four or my slowest shuttle ever, or my twenty vertical. I think I gotta say, as a as a normal human being, five four is not bad. I know five four seems dreadful, but you're you were running out there with three twenty five on you, right? I mean that I I've done it forty. I if I really really catch fire on a given day, I can I can break uh, six seconds, and I, I'm that's that's as good as I could ever possibly do at the best of my athleticism. I I, I just I'm super coordinated, spaghetti, right? I'm coordinated. You've seen me throw a ball. I can shoot a basket like nobody's business. I'm just yeah. super slow. Yeah. You you have a good shot and you and you can throw the ball uh, pretty pretty well too. I it is slightly shocking. I think people would not. I don't know guess what that's that, supposed but, uh, to I mean. will give you props. All right, there. listen. As we jump into well, some college foot, I don't know. I, I really don't know what that's about, spaghetti. Well, it would shock people that I would be a halfway decent athlete. Yeah, it would. It, it would. It would shock you. I think why, it would. Um, why would it shock you? Do you really just, exactly? Just, would you just, really just be just surprised? Your, just, your gen, just your general appearance. What is that supposed to mean? That hurts my feelings because it insinuates yeah. something bad about me. I mean, look, guy in Hawaiian shirt. You think, man, that guy's cool. He could probably shoot some hoops. I'm not doubting you could beat me up. I, that's not the issue. I'm not, 
I could beat you're, you're, a basketball, you're, 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 you're a, you have a face that screams, I don't know how to shoot a basketball. I don't, that's all I can tell you. That's an insult to me. See, this, yeah. this, 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 people wonder, why does Dave have such a low self-esteem? Because I know that's what people are thinking about. I know people think they look at me and think, oh, what a loser. No, I think it's that's actually, exactly what you're thinking. Well, it makes you feel – it actually works the opposite because like you paint this picture of yourself, like, Oh, I, like people think oh, I probably can't do it. And then you show up and you, you know, drain a three and you, you're, you know, a lefty, you sling the, the football. It's it, like, Oh wow. Hey, he, you know, hey, this is stuff. Like, you know, so then your it works in your favor. Doesn't think that you're a bad athlete. My wife, I played in the NFL and my wife gets surprised when like I hit a baseball or when we, <laughs> we built this target for my son <laughs> to throw footballs in. And it was like 20 yards away. And I just threw it right through the middle. Like she is like in awe then when I can do out, like I've been her five times in a race now. She she keeps racing me. I beat her every time. She's in awe that I'm a good athlete because she says you were the slowest one in the field. How could you possibly be a good athlete? And well, like, it is it is for real crazy. That that is one of the more striking things is that the biggest uh, fattest dudes on the field are still way more oh, coordinated yeah. and better athletes than the normal. And, the, and and I play I haven't played rec basketball forever because we're not allowed to see anyone anymore. But, you know, every now and then, like, I would just, whenever I play basketball after I retired, I just would be a perimeter guy. I'm not going the lane. I don't want to, I don't want to get hit anymore. I don't want, people get upset. Go in the lane. So, and I play, like I, like I mentioned with my shit talking earlier, I'm a pretty nice guy. I'm going to talk all game, but I'm not going to get that upset. And if someone wants to come at me, I'll come back at them. So, like, when, sometimes when, when you know, when I go in the paint and a guy kind of checks me in the back a little bit too much, I'm like, screw this. And I give him a, a good old booty check, man. The guy goes flying into the wall. I don't do that very often. I just let them know, like, hey, guys, like, I, I can do this. Like, if you want to play this game with me, sure, we can we can be physical. And then they kind of get the, the idea that, like, oh, okay, like, he's actually, like, a good athlete. That's the thing. It's not the hyper-coordination and everything and the speed and everything else, but it's it's the power that is just hard to fathom until you get bumped by a, a professional football player. Just I don't know what it is about – your guys' makeup, but you bump you. It's like, oh my God, I, this is, uh, I, and yet there's some percentage of the population that wants to test you, wants to see if they can take you there, which, which is another fascinating phenomenon. It's ridiculous. Um, yes. I, I will say that uh, at least in the game of love, which is a sport, I, I happen to be a surprisingly vigorous lover. So, all right. Well, guys, that was uh, minus three. Let's I'm check it out for today. I'm a, and, I'm a powerhouse uh, lover. We'll we'll be back uh, next time. All right. What? Guys. We're not done with nothing. What do you do? What do you do? What are, what are you raising a have, finger have, for? Have a great weekend. Uh, no, I I actually got to. I'm a, I got to go pee. I'll be back. Give me a second. All right. Go ahead. You know what? While Jeff Schwartz goes to pee, why don't we get into a little bit of uh, college football talk? Um, and as we jump into that, since there's no LSU Alabama. We talked about our pal Joey joining us last week. And uh, so since we're not going to get that showdown, at least we can give you this. Here's Joey Mulinaro, impressionist extraordinaire, doing uh, Coach O and Coach Saban having a conversation about their favorite fonts. Well, I mean, Coach, o- Coach Odron, I don't really know. I don't have time to look at all these fonts. Is that what they're saying? Everybody talking about fonts on a computer. I still handwrite my letters. I right? I don't have time to get on a computer, let alone type out anything in the font. Well, Coach Saban, I gotta say, my favorite font to use is the Tiger font. It don't come on any other computer except mine. I'm up to date with the computers. I get special Tiger font because, of course, go Tigers. All right. Well, there you go. Um... Yeah, great stuff from uh, from Joey there, and it's a bummer we're not going to get LSU Alabama. Although I suspect that Bama would have whipped this uh, this twenty twenty LSU team instead, Schwartz. So we gave you Notre Dame. I think we all agree on the we're all in on the, the Irish minus the thirteen and a half at DC. Make sure you think, get that one. Yes, at uh, at FanDuel.com slash minus three. Indiana Hoosiers, Michigan State Spartans, the Hoosiers undefeated. This is not really much of a joke anymore, Jeff Schwartz. I'm now on the precipice of getting so into it, I'm going to be devastated if Michael Penix and company actually lose a game here. They're going up to East Lansing. They're giving seven and a half. What in the hell is happening right now? Who you got in this one? Yeah, before this year started, I didn't know Indiana still had football. So I was was very glad to see they have football still. Uh, Michigan State, I know they beat um, on Michigan, but they look like – poo last week and i don't think they're very good uh i think indiana does cover the the seven and a half seven and a half is not not a fabulous number here seven would be no. better but i like indiana here all right and uh one more since it's your school actually 
Wisconsin and Michigan. Michigan's embarrassing. I don't know if we want to indulge and bother with that. You know what? I'm going to skip it and go straight to Oregon giving 10 and a half to Wazoo. How say you about uh, your alma mater there, Schwartz? Look, the the bet to make here is Washington State plus the 10 and a half. Ooh. I'm just not going to tell you to do it because I'm an Oregon grad. Thank goodness and, you wouldn't tell us that. And I am going to pick the Ducks because go Ducks. Uh, but no, this yeah, we have not had great games against Washington State for whatever reason. Hmm. Uh, obviously, they switched coach. They went to to uh, to Nick Rolovich, but they're still running a, a wide open spread offense and the run and shoot. We have we've had issues with them. I think we are the youngest team. I heard yesterday, youngest team in college football right now is Oregon. Five new offensive linemen, new quarterback, first road game. Uh, weather I think is going to be. They said it's maybe snow on the ground, which actually favors Oregon because of our the way our offense is built. Um, but I, ten and a half is a lot. Um, again, I, I wouldn't advise anyone to bet Washington State just because I'm an Oregon grad, but that's uh, that's you know, that's what I'm looking at. All right, very good. Um, and spaghetti, you didn't get in on worst uh offensive lineman number. I'm guessing, I, I don't know how we've never have had this conversation. Um, I'm guessing you played O line in high school, uh, yeah, but I also played uh defense too. I played uh, so I um, my number changed from years to years, but uh. I think the best number is 56 if you can get it. Uh, maybe just because you're from New York. Yeah, Lawrence Taylor and Quentin Nelson wears 56 is pretty cool. Um, the worst number is I think uh, like Willie said, like uh, the the fat body, the weird body guys that were like 61, 71. Those are pretty. Those are pretty rough numbers. But um, yeah, I mean, I think the 50s are like the coolest numbers. Upper 70s are cool too. I think Willie hits it right. If you can double it up, go 55, 66, 77. Yeah. That's, a, that's a winning play. Also, I got to figure out this 70 thing because now that he mentions it, why don't O Lyman wear 70? Maybe there's a thing that they're not allowed to. It's a cool number. Sam Huff wore it, uh, pro football legend. Um, all right, Schwartz, we keep our eye on all things Northeast. Um, and uh, so let's bring it on home here with the Pittsburgh Steelers playing host to the Cincinnati Bungles here. That line's going to move. We have it at the time of this recording at uh, the Steelers six and a half. But the news, as I say at the time of this recording, is it's tracking that Roethlisberger is going to play. That's going to move that number up. I think it opened at nine and a half. Um, And Roethlisberger is only worth three points to Mason Rudolph. Really? Okay. Either way, let's assume it's Roethlisberger. And let's assume the number is going to be nine and a half there. Oh, nine and a half, I'll take, you know what? Nine and a half, you would take the Bengals, obviously. But I still think the Steelers, their the first road game, uh, the first home game in a month now, right? Um, they just kind of played not very well against the Cowboys. Obviously dominated the Bengals in, in the first meeting. Actually, I actually they probably dominate them again. I'd take the Steelers minus the, the nine and a half. I, listen, I'm a, a same thing as Schwartz said about the Ducks. So you're not going to get, I, I mean, Listen, a smart play is if you're really bold, I think there's money to be had. I would never encourage anybody to go out of their way to bet against the yeah. Steelers. However, I think you're in good shape if, you, if you're ambitious, bet the money line with the Bengals and then come back and do it again next week with the Jaguars. The Steelers are bound to trip up in one of these two games here. You saw them just about blow it to the Cowboys. It's not crazy. I'm just not built to – to make such a pick. I would never do such a thing. Now, in support of Ben Roethlisberger, our ongoing, his his revenge tour continues. It's weird. People keep saying, what's he what, what's he need revenge for? Like, do you not watch football the last couple of years? Did you hear Antonio Brown disparage him on his way out the door? Did you not hear high-profile national guys say, oh, the Steelers, oh, their quarterback's fat. They have no chance. They better get a different quarterback. Well, they're 8-0 now. Get your revenge tour jersey, extrapoints.com. Um, is how you do it. Just look for the Savenge Tour jersey and uh, be on the right side of history there. Um, so, yes, I'm going to say Steelers are going to win the game, but I, am, I don't feel confident even if Roethlisberger's out there in that one. Um, but, uh, you know, you're not going to get too hard a push for me. Listen to little girly. What fun. Spaghetti, yes. your pick on uh, Steelers, assuming nine and a half. And then let's assume it's Mason Rudolph and it's minus six and a half. Go ahead. Yeah, the whole thing changed for me, depending on which quarterback is in there. But uh, Willie and Jeff were talking about it before, too, with the Bengals O-line being so bad. I think it's almost a game where the Steelers defense could be so outrageously good and get to the quarterback uh, to Joe Burrow uh, and just completely stop the run game that almost the offense doesn't matter. So in a sense, I would lay the points with the Steelers. It's just kind of how I 
I've uh, I've been reading way too much O line stuff lately to try to get near Jeff's level, and I, that's that's just how I came about this this pick. I, I'm telling you, listen, anyone within the sound of my voice, somebody needs to do what Jeff Schwartz has has volunteered to do. Well, no, he wants money to do it, but correct. If Jay Feely is allowed to sit there know, and talk Dave. about kicking, if you're allowed to go like, if, what do you think? Jay Feely's our kicking expert. It was no good. Back to you, Jim. What, if we're doing that nonsense, why we can't get – I find I, – I don't know anything about oh, offensive line, and neither does almost anyone else listening to me right I've, now. I've had my really agent – That's a great idea. I've had my agent try to pitch this many times. So um, I'm hoping that someone – someone bites. I could be the, you know, the, the Dean Blandino of offensive line play. That's exactly right. Yeah. I'd watch. I'd be. I'd watch it for a quarter just to dip in. Then I'd have to go back. I, you know, but listening to you guys is uh, is super interesting. And so yes. we thank Willie for doing that. Make sure you check out all his good work on Barstool over there. Eddie Spaghetti, good luck with your gents and your Irish this weekend. Schwartz, good luck with your ducks this weekend. Good luck to everybody in your in your house there watching you parade around with your shirt unbuttoned way too far, way too far. <laughs> Completely unacceptable. Go play with your nice little girly there. Um, Everybody listening to us right now, we appreciate you downloading and subscribing and listening for another week here. And um, go make that uh, Irish bet, too, there one last time. FanDuel.com slash minus three. Get it. And uh, we'll be back next week. Check out Extra Points. Make sure you check the podcast with Sal and, uh, and Charlotte Weiler. Make sure you're listening to Jeff Schwartz is Smarter Than You. And uh, checking out all of Schwartz's great social media content there. It's really entertaining stuff, both uh, about football and about the game of life there, including his little girl there, who still hasn't told us who her favorite Disney princess is. I've given mine. I gave you one and two. I told you Rapunzel and Belle. Moana. He just said, say it louder. Snow White. Snow White, a classic. I love it. She has a cool dress, too, you know? All the other girls, they wear one color, but she has yellow and blue and, and red. And she has friends who are who are seven dwarves. She has an exciting life. And she eats good apples and stuff, you know? All right. Let, okay, so good. You guys are going to go watch Snow White. Eddie Spaghetti's going to go whatever he's going to do. We'll talk to you next week. In the meantime, thanks so much, sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven.